You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And not joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank has an early flight to catch. And, well, I mean, things got complicated. The game wasn't necessarily late, but then the Eagles played and I wanted to watch the Eagles game. And then it just didn't work out because then we were going to have to record later. So instead, I am joined by my good friend, Kane Pittman. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I, was, I, I wasn't going to mention the Eagles game, so you got that out of the way early, and now we can probably move on. I, I mean, I don't know if you're going to be able to move on because you got to see heartbroken Eric uh, <laughs> sitting here crying after an Eagles loss, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get through it. Uh, now that you've seen me, I'm most vulnerable. I feel like we're going to record an even better podcast. For sure. I think that's a good thing. I think, uh, I think this is good to do this right now and, and quickly move on from uh, the last half an hour of not much talking and just a lot of sitting around. Yeah. Um, we're going to just try to keep it moving because it's, it's been a rough. Uh, 30 minutes for me so uh shout out to Alshon Jeffrey um <laughs> all right so the Bucks win 133-114 in Atlanta and obviously you you and I watched the game together and I mean I think I think throughout that game all I kind of thought was okay the Bucks are gonna put together five or six stops here and they're gonna take a 15 point lead they're gonna be in control and that's going to be the game. Like, I just thought throughout the entirety of the game, that's what was going to happen. Because it, this this Hawks team just isn't that good. This Bucks team is much better. And I just kept finding myself thinking, okay, like it, this is a game for now, but the Bucks are going to win this thing eventually. Yeah, I think we had the I think we had the memory of last week still pretty fresh in our mind. And I, I think I, I found myself in the first quarter thinking, okay, well, Gee, this Atlanta's hanging around for a while, and then I look, and I look at the clock, and there's four minutes left in the first quarter. But uh, yeah, I think that was it. We, there was a period in late in the second quarter, um, and they end up going up nine points at halftime. And I think no one really felt like the Bucks were playing well, but they would they just continued to push away as the game went on. Yeah, and I get it's just kind of a weird game, um, just because. You remember vividly how badly the Bucks beat the Hawks last time around. That you knew the Bucks had that in them, and uh, eventually they were going to get to a spot where they were going to do the exact same thing. But uh, the Hawks just kind of just just stuck around. They were kind of frisky. They were kind of making things tough on the Bucks. And I mean, in the end, I think this is I don't know I don't know if I want to say the worst game that the Bucks have played in a long time, but. 
It certainly wasn't a good one. I, I mean, the the defensive rebound percentage for the Bucks tonight, 63%. That is uh, positively Kittian, um, Kid-esque. <laughs> I'm not sure which way to go there. But, I mean, that's something that you would have seen last year. And, you know, this team has been so good on the boards the whole year. And then all of a sudden... Chris Middleton leads the team with 11 rebounds like that's just not something you see and you know you think about them defensively and they were so good against the Hawks the first time and then you know Trey Young is getting floaters or Trey Young is getting into the lane and causing problems and uh, you know Alex Len has 12 points and five offensive rebounds and just just so many things that you wouldn't expect so many things that I don't think you would think are going to happen again if you see these two teams play, but all of those things kept happening, and the Bucks played bad. And we're at a spot now where I can say the Bucks played bad, and they won a game <laughs> by 19 points. Yeah, I, I, I know. I turned to you at one point and I, I mentioned about the offensive rebounds. I said, okay, well, if, if this was last year, we would just think this is a normal night, but. 18 offensive boards for the Hawks. That's a that's a, that was a season high against the Bucks. So. I don't know whether it was a combination of the day game, which we know can bring some weird things. I don't know whether I don't know whether it was literally the Bucks just sleepwalking through this one because they of what happened a couple of weeks ago. But um, it was certainly defensively. I, I think they were just a little lax. Um, so they had thirty free throws as well, Atlanta. So I think that sort of kept it somewhat closer than what it probably should have been. But um, I mean, offensively. We, I mean, the Bucks again, did whatever they wanted. They got into the paint and they scored. They scored 133. They had 144 on this team last week. I mean, I think it's established now that they feel pretty comfortable getting what they want against this team. And it's strange to see how they got what they want. You mentioned the fouls that the Bucks had. I think the entirety of the Bucks starting lineup would think that the Hawks should have got called for two times as many fouls as uh-huh. they, the, that they did. Uh, we saw a, a technical from Brooke Lopez. We saw him totally exasperated throughout the entirety of the game. Not that that's all that different, because <laughs> he, he is always upset and he is always angry with himself. But, you know, today just felt like a new level. You saw... Chris Middleton shoot a number of jumpers, feel like he got fouled on him, didn't get any calls. You saw Giannis for large parts of this game not get any foul calls and still end up with 19 free throws. Like, you just... You saw Eric Bledsoe going to the rack relentlessly. Like he, anytime you saw Trey Young on him, he said, "Okay, I'm gonna go put him in the post, or I'm gonna get him on my backside and finish with this two-hand power move." And it's just like, okay, that's not how Eric Bledsoe ever plays. But all of those guys just kind of felt it. Same thing, Malcolm Brogdon, one of the least efficient nights he's had in a long time, five of thirteen for fourteen points, and it was a number of plays where he went in, tried to finish like he always does around the rim probably had some contact and didn't get a call and you, you know uh, I don't I don't want to belabor the point but like you know 25 personal fouls for the Bucks 30 for the Hawks and that's a lot of that's a lot of fouls but there still could have been probably another 10 calls like it, it was just a game that ended up being super ugly everyone kept fouling the entire game and it, it The game didn't have any flow. Nothing really looked all that good. But, you know, in the end, I just thought the Bucks' aggressiveness was really kind of 
kind of what put it over the top. And I think it, it probably starts with Giannis, where you see him have 33 points on the night. He only takes 17 shots. He shoots 19 free throws. And I tweeted it out, but, I mean, I was convinced his only goal in the game was to follow out Alex Len, and that's exactly what he did. Alex Len followed out with about seven and a half minutes left. But it, it just felt like they didn't really respect the Hawks, and they said, okay, if we don't respect you, the only place we are going to score is at the rim. And Chris Middleton had 17 points. I think probably 14 of those points came at the basket, maybe 13 of those points. Like, he was just going to the basket. Like, everyone on that roster just thought, okay, I'm going to get to the rack. And that's not typically how this Bucks team feels about anything. No, it was... It was- it was very obvious early. First of all, that Bledsoe was <laughs> all about the matchup with Trey Young and Chris Milton as well. I know. He, I think he had a stretch there of six straight points in the first quarter where he. I mean, we know that you don't often see Chris Milton just bring the ball up the floor and just like walk into the paint, but he did that. Um, and I, I think that they were they were super comfortable um, attacking the rim. Obviously, you, you touched on uh, some of the lack of foul calls. I think Middleton. I mean, he only had two free throws. Uh, I know you, we were talking about it. He was certainly getting some, getting frustrated, I think, with the yeah. lack of a whistle. Um, but, yeah, I think overall it was sort of a different type of offense to what we've seen. I, they got 33s up in the end, but it didn't feel like they were... They, they felt that they needed to shoot those shots as much as they could get whatever they wanted in the paint. So, um, yeah, kind of kind of a weird night. Uh, but you get some you get some big performance. Obviously, Bledsoe has ten assists, and then you mentioned already the eleven boards from Chris. So, uh, yeah, kind of kind of a weird one. But again, it didn't feel like the Bucks were completely in rhythm offensively, uh, and they put up 133 points. So I I mean I think that's that's where these two teams are at. The Hawks obviously ran out a super young starting lineup, and uh, I think like the Bucks veterans were just they were totally comfortable with going against that team and feeling like they could get what they wanted. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, we're offended you to even try this, uh-huh. but in some ways, like, come on. like th- This is all you can do. And again, Atlanta doesn't really have any other options. They're very young. That's how they're going to play. That's how they're trying to rebuild. But it, it did feel like the Bucks' entire starting lineup was just like, okay, like we're going to take care of this. It'll be totally fine. And, you know, it, it is kind of funny to think that, going into this game you know you had some injury concerns with Giannis whether or not he'd play and uh friend of the pod Kale Chenard had tweeted out something about like oh during warm-ups he like grasped at his hip and he wasn't 100 percent sure and he winced a little bit and you know you never want to really hear that stuff but in the end Giannis just kind of dominated the game and uh that's that's obviously par for the course but the fact that we can say the Bucks didn't play well, they looked out of rhythm, Yana, and Giannis scores 33 points, six rebounds, four assists, three steals, a block. Uh, they put up a 120.7 offensive rating. Like, all of those things, like, it's just become normal with this team. So, like, in some ways, I'm, I'm sorry that you have to record this podcast with me because I don't think there's <laughs> a, a ton of stuff that's all that exciting about this game, but it does speak to what this team has become, how much of a juggernaut it has become, that we're at a spot now where it's just like, yep, that's what they do. Like, that, that's just who they are. 
Yeah, we. Uh, so I was speaking to Justin Garcia about this last week, and we were both just talking about that fact that now when you watch the Bucks, and and obviously Atlanta is sort of on the lower end of the uh, of the spectrum, I guess. But we we were talking about that Detroit game in particular last year. I mean, this is a team that probably thinks they're going to play playoffs, and they might play playoffs. But you, you don't watch the Bucks anymore against teams like that. Like if they're not in the top echelon. You go there thinking that they're just going to win, and I mean that's not going to be the case. Like for 82 games, but you just don't expect that they're going to lose those games. And and you know there wasn't for a second here where I thought that this game was going to be close. I was just waiting for this to happen. I was waiting for the Hawks to finally drop off. And and in the end, it was just just the weight of numbers from Giannis, who it didn't feel like his typical dominant game, but. You just every time the stats came up on the screen, you look and you're like, okay, he's already up to twenty points near halftime. All right, he's got another thirty point game. You're like, okay, I guess that's uh, I guess that's just standard for him now. So I, I don't know. It, it's still it's still weird for me to. I mean, I don't think in the past any road game for the Bucks you would go in <laughs> thinking that the Bucks can sleepwalk through that and win by twenty points, but uh, that's really what happened. And I guess just a couple other things. I tweeted it out after he had hit a three on a kickout from Giannis, but uh, DJ Wilson, eight points on the night, two for two from three, three for three from the field, four rebounds, an assist, a steal, two blocks. Um, you know, I, I tweeted this out, but I think it just becomes more and more true as games go on. Like, DJ Wilson does not really need to do... I mean, he doesn't need to do anything spectacular to be someone that's incredibly valuable for this Bucks team. And I like I understand that, you know, we always want to think about upside and potential and how great this young player could be at some point, someday, whatever it may be. But like if if all DJ Wilson does is give great effort on the boards, great effort defensively, and knock down open-ish threes He's incredibly valuable, and I think we just saw it again in this Hawks game. Like, eight points is obviously nice. Two for two from three, obviously nice. Like, you want to see him keep knocking down those shots, but like, I, this wasn't this wasn't a game where it's like, oh, wow, DJ Wilson took over the game. It was just a game where DJ Wilson was solid, and that really helps this team and really gets them to a spot where you know, you're just going to be way more comfortable with this team in the playoffs, in tight games, whatever it is, that if you go to the bench and you need some help, maybe that means Brooke Lopez has been played off the floor. Maybe that just means Brooke Lopez is having a bad game. Ursan isn't having a great one. Whatever it may be, like, you can just be like, all right, DJ Wilson's good. He's got this. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's the first time in whatever it is, 15 years, where the Bucks have genuine role players just playing their role. And I know that people want to look back and say, well, he was a first-round draft pick, we want more, but he's not being asked to do more, and he's doing exactly what he's asked to. And I, I think today we've seen the big thing that I was impressed with, his discipline defensively and, and being able to defend without fouling. And when you talk about potentially why he's playing ahead of Thon, that might be the reason why, because he's, he, he's just got a great knack for getting in the right spot. He's got physicality that I don't think any of us saw coming and he just defends with his hands straight up. He's athletic enough enough to get a couple of block shots like he did today. And I, I, I mean, I think that's why he's playing. This has been like a month now for DJ where he's, he's played 
he's just played solid basketball, and if he if he can continue to knock down the well, he's two for two for day, today from three. But if he keeps shooting that at a decent clip, then I mean he's going to stay in the rotation. And all it is is solid basketball. Yeah. You mentioned it. Solid's the word. Like as long as he's solid, he is incredibly helpful and makes this team way better. So um, that's going to be something to watch. George Hill, 26 minutes tonight, or this afternoon, excuse me, 11 points for him, three assists, a steal. And again, a performance where I didn't think George Hill really stood out at any point tonight, where I was like, oh, yeah, George Hill is having a great game. But in the end, 11 points in 26 minutes, keeps everything moving, gets a big plus-minus number, and... In the end, this Bucks team wins. So uh, you're just looking up and down the bench of, of guys that, that have been able to contribute. So uh, we'll see if that can keep going. All right. Uh, we had two games this weekend that we need to talk about. Uh, first one was obviously Bucks-Hawks, 133-114 win. Uh, the second is Friday night's game. The Bucks lose 113-106 to the Washington Wizards. And, I mean, I guess this is where I'll start. Frank and I had recorded a podcast uh, for Friday. We talked about just the idea that, you know, after you win that game against Houston, uh, a two and one road trip probably isn't acceptable anymore. That you're you're going to change your your mindset and think, okay, you you won the toughest game on this road trip. You should win the other two, three and zero on the road trip. Keep stacking up the wins. Keep really, you know, kind of making it tough for other teams to catch you and. Then the Bucks don't have Giannis uh, on on Friday night, and he's out, and you're just thinking, okay, maybe you can still survive this. The Wizards obviously don't have John Wall at the moment. They've been playing better basketball with Bradley Beal kind of as their lead guy, no John Wall. And then they come out and have a 40-point first – or they don't have a 40-point first quarter. They give up a 40-point first quarter to the Wizards, and – you know, you're just thinking, like, what is this team? Who is this team? And, uh, you know, we talked about the defensive rebounding here in uh, the Atlanta game. In that game, too, it was just like the first quarter, you could kind of tell that they were playing without the guy that normally scoops up all the rebounds. Like, typically, like, okay, everyone boxes out, keeps guys away from, away from the basketball, and then Giannis comes through, takes care of business, and... That wasn't the case against the Wizards, and the defense wasn't there. And uh, I mean, by the end of the night, they 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 still have a bad defensive rating of one thirteen. But you know, they kind of cleaned it up after that. They win the second quarter twenty one seventeen. They win the third quarter thirty five twenty eight, and then lose the fourth quarter twenty eight twenty four. And it just never really felt like they were comfortable. It, to start the game, I thought Eric Bledsoe was like really timid and not really uh, attacking the basket. And then second half, he kind of just gets into attack mode, but unfortunately goes two of nine from the three-point line, uh, 18 points on the night on 21 shots. Uh, Chris Middleton ends the night with 25 points, eight rebounds, three assists on eight of 17 shooting. So really not the worst night that anyone's ever had. But, you know, if Giannis is out, like, you need more guys to contribute and you know, they just they just didn't really get it. It just didn't feel like at any point on Friday night they really had it. No, they they looked a little bit lost on on offense particular and, and yeah, I think you touched on that. Giannis is the guy that 
that starts them in transition every single time. He's the guy that gobbles up those rebounds. And we've seen in the past that Giannis hasn't played this season that Bledsoe ends up being that guy, and we know that he can rebound the ball. I mean, he had eight rebounds, which was uh, the equal high for the team, but they just weren't able to get that, that running game going, I guess, the transition. And uh, I don't think it would surprise anyone, but it seems... Uh, this is something I've spoken about a little bit in the past is that when the Bucks lose it, you always feel like the opposition has some sort of outlier performance <laughs> and I, I don't want to take away from the fact that the Bucks didn't have their best night but it's another game where they're in the game with you know a, only a couple minutes to go and you look down and, and Washington shoot 55% from 3 or 54% from 3 Trevor Ariza has 6-3 Sadoransky has his first triple-double I mean it was just one of those nights where it felt like a lot went wrong for the Bucks, a lot went right for the Wizards, and it was a close game. And that's without Giannis. So, I, I mean, I think it's I think it's good for this team to play without Giannis and try and work through some of those things. And you'd like to see uh, Milton. You would have hoped that he could have had a, a, a sort of a better first half. He really came into the game in the second half. Um, but, yeah, they. I mean, it's hard when you have a guy like Giannis that sort of does it all night in, night out. Um, I, I, it looked like they were a little flat, and perhaps that's um, some effect coming off the, the big win in Houston as well. I'm not too sure. I think what's interesting this year is that last year when they didn't have Giannis for games, you would see these kind of outrageous performances from other guys where it would it would just be like Jason Kidd saying, hey man we don't have Giannis, you're gonna get all the shots tonight Like everything you want, that's what you're gonna do, and it's very clear that Bud does not subscribe to that same kind of idea it's, they're gonna play their system they're gonna play how, how they always play, and guys are gonna have to get get their buckets within that, that kind of that kind of format like they're gonna have to do it in that way and well when you don't have Giannis in the middle of a of a five out offensive system it's not quite the same like it guys aren't gonna have quite as much space they're not gonna be able to attack in the same ways and you know I just think that's something that's really stuck out to me in the nights where they haven't had Giannis this year it's just like okay it's nice that they're playing the same system I think that allows the players to have a lot of consistency. I think that allows them to feel like everything's pretty much the same. We're not doing anything different. But also, you know, that's not the best for a guy like Chris Middleton who probably needs, like, an extra step when a a defender's a little bit too close to Giannis and then he's attacking that closeout. Like, you know, all those guys, I think, really benefit. Like, Eric Bledsoe can, at times, you know, get his own off a dribble, but... Also, at times when Yas is out, like he's gonna force some things off a dribble. Like that, that's just gonna kind of how be how it is. You you look at Malcolm Brogdon, five and nine on the night, like fifteen points, pretty efficient. He had eight assists as well, but also had four turnovers. And you know, like you think of him as the paragon of efficiency, and it's like, well, when he doesn't have everyone else kind of creating those things and bending the defense for him, well, maybe he's not going to be quite as efficient like i think against the rockets he has nine of 12 for 24 points like that's not going to happen when he has to be one of the main creators rather than playing off of someone else and you know i just think that's been kind of really interesting to watch this year like system versus you know do it on your own let's iso and, and let's take a bunch of shots and again i don't know that 
either style is preferable. Like, I think it's probably good that you keep the system and you keep playing the same way and, and guys are supposed to try to find theirs within that framework. But, you know, also at the same time, like, if you're trying to win one game, maybe it is better to say, all right, Chris, you're you're going to get to get loose tonight. Or Bledsoe, it's your night. You're going to get 25 shots, 30 shots, whatever it is. Like, maybe that is good. So, I don't know. Like, that's just been something to me that's been really interesting to watch this season with this Bucks team and with Mike Budenholzer. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, we know from speaking to him. If you if you suggested what you just said about just one game and just winning game, he would crazy. he'd be like, no, he'd be like, we're not doing that. He's no, like, all the games are the same. Yeah, yeah, he he's not he's not buying into that. So, but it's funny because the I think the reason I think everyone knows and understands that the reason why the system's been so effective is because of the players that's around Giannis. It's not it's that's what makes the system so great because it suits him. Uh, 100% and then yet you open up all these things for these other guys so yeah I, I thought during that game that everything was every shot was just a little more contested there was, there was a little less room to move a little bit more difficult yeah right so you understand that when Giannis isn't playing that's going to be the case and I, I think I would I don't know how many times Bledsoe's had got 21 shots up I, I feel like probably not a lot this season so there's no doubt that he tried to tried to um, pick up the slack but um you know, if he's going to go two for nine as a, as a result of those twenty one shots, he, you probably don't believe that they were nine great looks from three. So, um, I I think that yeah, I, I think everyone obviously finds it a little bit difficult without Giannis out. But you know, I, again, I do feel like if this was last season, you, the Bucks probably aren't putting up one hundred and six points, and they're probably not working their way back into the game. So, again, I I think that they showed pretty good resolve to hang around on the road and and it was one of those nights where every time they made a run someone would hit a shot whether it was a razor or or beal or whoever it was so i think that that's where this team has really made improvement that they don't uh sort of get blown out in situations like that and if you give up 40 points in the first quarter they don't feel like the game's over even without Giannis. but in the end i i think they just finish they just lack that finishing touch in the end to sort of get over the hump you mentioned the two-for-nine game from Bledsoe. Um, we were kind of talking about it during the game, uh, or during the Hawks game today, but, um, you know, we talked a lot about the Chris Middleton slump. Like, December slump, Chris just, you know, can't really find a way to make a basket. And uh, strangely enough, like, Eric Bledsoe might be in a worse one. Like, if, if you start with the, the Bucks' December 14th game against the Cavaliers and you include... Uh, today, I'm trying to think. I had the first half. So through the first half, Bledsoe was 11 of 61 from three for 18%. I think he hit one first half or one second half three, missed one second half three. I can't do the numbers off the top of my head there. So 12 of 63. Um, but, you know, like 18 to 20%, that's that's what he's been for December 14th. That's that's a month. Like by the time this podcast shops, that, that will literally be one month from December 14th to January 14th. And, you know, we don't really end up talking about it. And, you know, I think it kind of speaks to expectations for Bledsoe. Like, you don't think he's quite as good of a shooter as, as Chris Middleton. And, you know, he's he's very quick. So, you know, maybe he can affect it more getting to the basket with a cleaner look there. Uh, defensively, obviously, he's kind of been the guy at, at the lead of all of that. Um, that kind of starts kind of sets the sets the tone for the Bucks defensively. Um, but that shooting slump is real. And, you know, I had I talked about it 
I don't know, a few weeks back about him not being quite as aggressive. And, you know, now he has been a little bit more aggressive in the last few weeks, but now he's just missing a bunch of shots. And, uh, you know, you never want to see that, but I think it kind of just speaks to a larger, a larger, some, some larger struggles from this Bucks offense that, you know, I, I think it, on the season, they're still a top five offense. Uh, you know, they've still put up great numbers. There's uh, even today they had 133 points against the Hawks, but overall, this just isn't quite exactly the team that you were seeing at the start of the year that was kind of lighting the world on fire offensively. They've cooled off uh, and, and probably even gone further than cooling off. Like they're not just not hot anymore they are actively like cut quite cold uh shooting the basketball and it's been a little while since they've really kind of felt like themselves and i do think that that is a story of, of some sorts but also you know they haven't lost many games and that speaks to their defense being quite a bit better so it, it is just kind of interesting to watch this team have ups and downs but even through ups and downs they they still win a lot yeah i and I don't actually feel that bad about that because I, when I when I thought about that, I'm like, do I want this team to be playing solid defense and be able to lean on their defense in the playoffs, or do I want them literally just blazing threes and relying on breaking the franchise record every night, which felt like it was going to happen in the yes. first week? Um, so it's interesting because they've actually been shooting less threes as well. So sort of, uh, I've got it here, but in the last seven games they've they've shot 33s or less four times out of seven so we we just weren't seeing that early in the season it was like even if they were having a really bad night they were still getting up 40 to 45 threes so um it's interesting but but on Bledsoe he uh I mean he's down to 31 percent on the season so that's probably not included today but um he's only a 33 percent shooter in, in his career so yeah. is that why people are giving that more of a probably. pass probably because they don't expect that I'm not too sure but um, I will say, and this is this is something I've always said that if if you coming into this season, if Middleton was going to have a little bit of a dip in scoring, a little bit of dip in shooting numbers, but you're going to see the defense come back to where it was, like around 2014-15, then I'm totally fine with it. And during the slump, we know that he had some big jobs. He played on Leonard, he played on Durant, and did you know really you know top level uh, jobs on those guys. So um, I think that's where this team's starting to find their identity is defensively. And they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get their shooting back. I mean, they're not gonna be shooting thirty percent on open threes and those those you know whatever the numbers are on wide open threes. Like that's yep. not gonna stick. So they're gonna get the rhythm back. But they've still won twelve or fifteen. And I think that having having that stretch on the back of your defense and knowing that you can have bad shooting nights and still win, I, I think is just as important for this team. Yeah, no, I think it it has been huge for this team that they're able to win games defensively because. Uh, well, one, Mike Boonholzer is their coach, and if they're not winning games defensively or not performing well defensively, it, he'd be mad because that's that's what Bud does. He obsesses over the defense. And then, you know, on top of that, uh, defense is something you can probably control a little bit more. You can kind of control your effort and do all that. Sometimes you can't control whether or not uh, you make shots. Um but, I, I mean, I guess in some ways you can't control whether or not other teams make shots, and we're seeing some of that. And that was the one last thing I wanted to talk about. When you look at that Wizards game, you had mentioned, you know, kind of the idea that when the Bucks lose a game this year, 
I don't want to say this is like the reflex because that makes it feel like it's an excuse. Mm. But, you know, when the Bucks lose a game this year, typically you'll go look in the box score and you'll see, oh, that was a better than average shooting night for whatever team it is. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's even better than better than average. It's an outlier shooting night, like 55, 54.5%, 18 of 33% shooting, or 18 of 33 shooting from deep for the Wizards. That's an outlier. That's not what you should expect going into any game. That's that's not kind of how it should go down. And yet that's how it went down and the Bucks lose. And I, I guess the thing I struggle with is I don't ever just want to be like, well, Bucks lost. It's an outlier. Like, Because that, I think, doesn't serve you all that well. It doesn't make you look critically at kind of what they're doing and, you know, how they can improve. And, you know, I had a bunch of people in my mentions, like, asking, like, what's the deal with the Bucks three-point defense? Like, why isn't it better? Like, why are they giving up so many threes? And, you know, like, I keep telling people, well, they're the best team at the rim in the entire league. Like, no one allows teams to shoot fewer shots at the rims, at the rim, and no one protects the rim better and has opponents shoot worse at the rim than the Bucks. So they're not giving up many rim attempts, and they're also keeping teams down when they do try rim attempts. And that's been huge, but if that's what you're going to do, if you're going to keep teams from getting easy looks at the rim, you're going to keep them off the foul line, which the Bucks do, you have to concede something. And, you know, last year... I guess in the Jason Kidd era, a lot of the times they would allow a lot of corner threes. They would allow a lot at the rim. Last year they uh, cleaned it up in the corner three, but they also allowed more shots at the rim than anyone else by an insanely large margin. Um, so like, there was always like a weak spot in that defense that was such a huge weak spot because it was giving up shots at the rim, which are the most efficient, or shots at corner threes, which is the most efficient. And the Bucks 100% give up the most threes in the league. Like I'm not, I'm not going to try to deny that. I'm not going to try to you know argue anyone off that. But where they're giving them up is above the break. And I think you know we've we've talked to Mike Boonholzer about it. Uh, he took a little bit of offense when I said <laughs> George Hill thought you know they were giving up too many uh, team up shots for for teams earlier this week. Um, but at the same time, they've made their decision. They've made their choice. And if there's one thing that they're going to give up, it's going to be above the break threes. And well, you know if you're going to give up a bunch of threes, sometimes what happened on Friday night is going to happen. And you know I think that's that's tough to live with, but also um, most of the time you're not going to have a team shoot 54.5% from three. Like that that's just not going to happen and your strategy is going to end up working out in the end. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you, you sort of touched on the fact that it's not just, oh, well, the Bucks lost, something must have happened that the opposition did crazy. Like that's not always the case and, and, and the Bucks are giving up more open threes than you would like but uh i i think it's just the facts that when in a lot of times that when the bucks have lost and you can think of, of many other times the Knicks game in new york and that sort of stuff that, that they have just had crazy shooting nights and i i think that bud continues to just look at the long game and he's like okay well is, is that going to happen four times in the series i'm not sure like i i feel like that's the way he looks at these type of things but then again we've seen against utah last week where they were all at sea defensively. And, and that had a lot more to do with what Utah were doing, the way Quinn Snyder was sort of moving the ball. But um, 
they they started switching a little more in the second half. They hold Utah to forty points. Like I, I still think this team has some more in their back pocket that that Bud is just not willing to throw out there yet. But I think he, I think he's ke- keeping some cards up his sleeve uh, defensively. But um, I think for now you're right. He he keeps on emphasizing the fact that he doesn't want to foul. Um, he wants to keep teams at the foul line and uh, and and protect the rim. So. I still feel like they're giving up. Maybe maybe they're giving up a, a few too many threes than they would want. But I still feel like those types of shots are the ones. I mean, that's what they're. That's what the whole defense is about. So I don't think that he's losing any sleep about it. But at the same time, you know, if, if that continued to happen and they continued to lose, and I think he would stress more. But they haven't lost back to back games. They're, they're they're thirty and twelve. I I don't think that he's you know stressed out about the fact that that is like a major issue but you know from time to time over the course of an 82 game season teams are going to get hot from three and we've seen that uh but you know a lot of the times that's what it takes to beat them yeah absolutely so i think it'll be interesting to watch just because i know as a fan when you watch and you see a bunch of threes go up like it sucks. Like, I, like I'm not trying to. No. I'm not trying to talk anyone out of that. Like, it's just kind of the the decision that they've made. And you know, I, I think we talk with Bud often enough that we've asked him about it, and that's kind of a, a quick summation, a paraphrasing of kind of how he feels about it. Like, well, you know, we got to pick some shots to give up. Like, yeah. you can't, you can't keep an NBA team from taking shots, so they might as well take the ones that we want them to take, and those are the ones that, that the Bucks feel like they want teams to take. So, um, interesting stuff, but um, I think that's going to be it. Anything else you were thinking about over the weekend? Uh, no, I think I'm good. I just said that the, the one thing that stuck out to me when you were talking about that was uh, the Siakam comments. You probably spoke about it on the pod already, how Chris said that that was their intention to close out a little late on him and, and force him to shoot. Um, so, you know, when you hear comments like that, it's kind of interesting because you're like, okay, now we're getting some real insight to, to how they're viewing other teams. And that's not where Siakam, I think, was... I mean, everyone was seeing shots with Toronto. but I He think doubled he, up his career, his average. He, his career high of 30 points. Right. And, and they're still looking at that and saying, well, that's probably what we wanted to do. So, I don't know. I, I just think, I, like you said, I, I find it really interesting to see whether this is going to change in, in the near future. But, again, uh, you know, when you win 12 or 15... Uh, I think they're, they're going to be pretty happy with the way things are going. Yeah, you're probably going to live with it. Yeah. I, I think you're going to live with it. So Bucks wrap up a 2-1 and one road trip. They are back in Milwaukee on Tuesday against the Miami Heat. We'll preview that game for you tomorrow. I think Frank will be back, and everything will be great. Kane, thank you so much for stopping by, helping out, helping me get through a terrible Eagles loss, <laughs> uh, probably having a few beers with me tonight. So I thank you for all of that. I'm happy. Uh, I'm just here to support. So, <laughs> what, what, whatever you need tonight, it's uh, listen. I never want to see the way I seen you about an hour ago. Now, so. <laughs> All right, that is going to be it for us for tonight on Lockdown Bucks for Kane Pittman, for Frank Madden, for Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.